All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 253 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Botano.ca. Of course, uh, a full slate every Thursday, man. There's lots of games. Of course, you got uh, Thursday Nighter in the uh, NFL, uh, NBA. If you like to have fun, check it out at Botano.ca, 19 plus. Please play responsibly. I'm Jason Greggers. We welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli. And man, there is no shortage of stories around the National Hockey League right now, Frank. And uh, let's start with a positive one because uh, a lot of people, uh, it's been you know, so were- negative the last couple of weeks. We focus on all the teams that are struggling, which rightfully so. But man, there's been some good stories. Yeah. And I think one of the best stories, and like I've, I've been wrong on a lot of teams, but to me, I don't count out teams that have lots of talent and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you look at them without their elite goaltender, they have barely missed a beat. Nikita Kucherov is leading the league in points. Uh, Victor Hedman is uh, is third in NHL scoring five on five. All right, uh, Braden Point, like they got a lot of big gunners. They've made tons of changes the last few years, Frank, due to the salary cap. But uh, John Cooper and that core group in Tampa Bay, even without their elite goalie, is rolling. Look, John Cooper is a really sharp guy, and he understands when he has an opportunity. <clears throat> to send a message yep. and he had all the microphones poised in Toronto earlier this week. And the big message was flat out came and said it, we're still relevant. And that's sort of their mantra. It's not the underdogs or, you know, one last kick at the can or run at glory or anything like that. It's don't, don't forget about us. Don't sleep on us. And that's sort of exactly how this team has played. Sending a reminder. People want to count this team out, and I'm not entirely sure why. First off, they've demonstrated that it's not a float, but they can get through the regular season really without much stress. 
and get to the playoffs. They're not going to overwhelm themselves mentally if they fall into a five-game rut. They've been there. They've done it. And they know that they can turn it on at playoff time. The difference between last year and this next upcoming playoff is that the Tampa Bay Lightning had a full summer for the first time in a long time. And that can go a long way. And especially if you can really take your time with Andre Vasilevsky now, which they really seem to be able to do and have gotten some breathing room. John Cooper said this week, He'll be disappointed if it's December by the time Vasilevsky comes back. For me, I'd do everything I can to make sure you don't have any re-aggravation or injury because then you're getting a fresh goalie for the final 60 games of the year, someone who can play 45 of them and then enter the playoffs at peak performance where he hasn't been. And look, count the Tampa Bay lightning out at your own peril. When you have a core of Sergeyev, Hedman, Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos, that's, those are your five pillars, and we didn't even mention Vasilevsky in that group. You got a, you got a chance every night and in the playoffs. Oh, 100%. And you, you know what? The pro scouts in Tampa Bay um, deserve a little bit more credit. Uh, you know, a lot of All people question Tampa Bay. Right. Like a lot of them questioned the Brandon Hagel trade. Brandon Hagel has been unreal for them. Um, you know, at, uh, he's got seven goals. He's four. He's over a point a game player. Look at Nicholas Paul, who, uh, you know, they got from Ottawa for, for Matthew Joseph, and he's got seven goals in 13 games. Uh, you know, it's a bargain deal for them, play 17 minutes a night. Like they, they go out and they find players that they believe can play. And and John Cooper, to his credit, he gives guys opportunities. It uh, it was interesting. I spoke to uh, to Charlie Huddy, of course, uh, recently on my show, and he said the one best attribute that Glenn Sather had was when he called you up or he brought you in, he gave you a chance to play. He didn't bring guys in on trades like Craig Simpson came in and put him right in with Anderson and Messier. Like if you're going to bring in players because you believe in them, then put them in a position to have some success. And uh, you're probably going to get a much better opportunity to do it. And that's the one thing John Cooper does. And he's also, Frank, you know, he's not afraid to hold guys accountable, right? He's, we've seen him um, staple his big guys to the bench for a short period of time just to get their attention. And when you have that success that he's had, obviously, I think you got a track record that it works, but he's a great communicator. I think they're a great tactician. But you look at their scouting, they go and get guys and then they pay him. And I know some people cringe at all the long term deals they have in Tampa. But the long-term deals are guys that are all performing well. Who are the guys they have in long-term deals? Look at them all relative to the rest of the league's cap. Yes. Like who? Nikita Kucherov, sub 10 million bucks, point sub 10 million bucks. I know they've got the Florida no tax that nets it all out to sometimes more than what you can get somewhere else at a higher AAV. But who looks at any of these deals and says that one's really painful? Mate, like honestly, if you're looking at their cap right now today, the one you don't like the most is Tanner Janot, and it's two six five, and it's two years. And two six five, he's got five points as a depth player, and he's tough as nails, and he's physical. Like that, that's not terrible uh, production. Like he's on pace to be a a fifteen goal scorer. You're fifteen goal scorer. Two, you're doing cartwheels, Frank. Cartwheels. I don't even think that's a bad contract. No, but that's what I'm saying. You, that's the maybe that's the one deal you're complaining about, and even that, like they've gotten to this point 
with Vasilevsky being out with two goalies making a combined like 1.55 million bucks. Yeah. Well, it, tell, it shows you that, you know what, you don't need great goaltending if you have a good system. It helps to have a great goaltender because then maybe you can open up things a little bit. But Look look um, at their defense. Here's the one concern I have, and I, I did see Calvin DeHaan this week, and he looked really good. Um, can that defense core depth-wise hold up all year? Like, I think Nick Perbix, you know, breaking out a couple years ago was was a revelation. But you're I think they do get thin in a hurry. Well, Hedman, Sergachev, and Cernak, man. That's a really I like those. Those guys are legit. You mentioned I, I think Sergachev has has struggled a little bit at times this year. Um I think they've been in a spot where he's been asked to do a little bit more. And I don't know if that's a mental thing or what. Maybe he's just had some miscues, but there's been some sloppy play, especially in his own end. That's been problematic, but I'm not like no one's concerned or, or thinks anything different of Sergachev, Hedman and Chernak. It's when you get to, it's when you get past those guys and you've got Dahan and Radish and the seventh guy, Flurry. Yeah. Well, they just traded Zach Bogosian to clear some salary. You watch. At the date at the trade deadline, Frank, the Tampa Bay Lightning are adding a defenseman. Wait, it's that, that's probably one of the easiest predictions I can make, and I won't be surprised if it's a decent defender. Yeah, just where are they going to get the cap space from? They always find a way, man. They always find a way. Connor they, Sherry's uh, contract was really interesting too, two million yeah. bucks a year. Yeah, so I just uh, look at Tampa Bay and uh, where they've at, where they've stood at their second place, like Boston's red hot right now. Um, you know, they're obviously not going to win at that pace all year. And you get Vasilevsky back. Are you sure. Yeah. They're not going to win at the same pace they went on last year, Frank. It's not happening. I mean, that I get what you're saying, but we are 15% of the way into the season and they've duplicated it. Like we have a hundred games almost of evidence now. Oh, hey, Boston's good. Like, are you in? I'm, I'm just saying, are you entirely sure? Like, how, what, what percentage would you put on it sure that they're not going to play at the same pace they did last year? Oh, wow, buddy. That, like, you're talking, well, for last season, if you look at that pace, like, we're talking in a hundred years of, of a team doing it. Like, I, no, I don't believe they're going to have over an 800 points percentage again. I hope they do for uh, history and I hope I'm wrong, but that is, like we're talking some of the greatest teams ever have never done that to do it back to back years is like they could be 750 which is still mind blowingly good but, the, but they've done it again without McAvoy now oh hey good for them without, yeah. gr- like Grizzlick's been out right oh hey Boston there's another team their coach Frank the one thing i was told people believe that maybe just as a pure smart tactician coach Boston said man might be the smartest one out there. What that's what I'm saying. What evidence do you have to suggest that they're not going to be that good? Well, I'm, not, I'm just saying they're 875, Frank. They're not playing 875 hockey. I'm not saying it. they're going to play 600, but they're going to slow down a bit. And Tampa Bay could heat up when they get Vasilevsky. So we could have a legit race between those two teams for first in the uh, in the in not only the division but in the conference. So the the other big regression talk has been centered around the Canucks. And what a start to the year it's been for them. Nine, two, and one. You've seen them up close and personal a few times. 
They've drubbed the Oilers three times so far in 12 games. What do you make of the Canucks and how sustainable is it? Because I think it's really sustainable. Well, their goaltender is very good. I, I picked them to make the playoffs. So I believe they'll make the playoffs, but it's not sustainable to give up that many shots all the time. I think eventually that will come back to bite you a little bit. So I think we'll be a slight regression as far as you look at their points percentage. I, I don't think they're going to be that high all year long, but I think Vancouver is a playoff team. You have an elite goalie, you have an elite defenseman, you have an elite forward, and then you've got a pretty good supporting cast around it, right? So that helps, right? Like Tampa Bay's biggest strength has been they had an elite goalie, elite forward, elite defense, and then built around them. And right now, that's what Vancouver has. And that makes a huge difference for your team. You have guys at all three, like when the forwards and defense are mad, their goalie stands on his head, right? Then there's games where Quinn Hughes can just control the puck, you know, for 30 minutes a night, right? Or Elias Pettersson can, can go off and be dominant. They have that high-end talent right now, and they're all playing well. So that helps. But Rick Tockett's the first got one. the we'll best say, hey, goal got- differential in the league by a wide margin. Yeah, like they... Now, a lot of that comes from, uh, you know, they're plus 16 in two games, so that definitely helps. But um, I think Vancouver is a playoff team. I, I thought they were at the start, and I think that they're they're going to be right there. I think they're a team that, that could push for 100 points, but I, I Rick Talk had said it, and I would agree watching. They do need to limit the, uh, you know, they, they give up a lot of shots, but they do give the one thing they're good at, the shots they give up, they don't give up a ton of screen. They don't give a ton of second and third chances, right? So I think some teams at times are okay with giving up the outside shot, right? And they're a little bit like that. But um, eventually, yeah, they're going to, uh, you know, their, their other thing is their power play is absolutely rolling right now. And so that can, that can help a lot of teams, man. You get a power play that goes when you have a goaltender that's rolling. It's pretty hard to stop. Hey, I mean, here's the thing. This is the best part about getting off to a start like that. Math wise, they're like eight, oh. 10 games away from only having to play 500 hockey the rest of the way in. Huge advantage. Milk, Huge. milk, squirt, squirt. Bank mm-hmm. as many points as you can. Yeah. Now, um, there are some other stories. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the frustration of their team defense, right? Uh, especially on home ice. They, they're giving up way too many goals. Samsonov struggled in goal. Their team defense has struggled in front of them. Even Wall, who they really liked, uh, you know, kind of got uh, lit up last night by Ottawa. Um, I'm curious about uh, Brad Tree leaving and, you know, how long he waits to try to improve their defense core, especially, you know, McCabe's down. That makes, a, a you know, an average decor even worse. Uh, what do you make of the Maple Leafs and how urgent do you think they are to look for an acquisition on the blue line? I mean, who doesn't want to improve their blue line? Like, that's the thing. Where are you going to find the defender? Edmonton's probably looking at some point. Vancouver, we know, is looking. The only team I really know that has defense that will eventually move them, if not already, is Calgary. Like, where are you Where are you plucking a defenseman from is, is part of the problem. I think what shouldn't be a surprise to anyone, and I didn't really understand it at the time, so this isn't revisionist history, was the John Klingberg signing. And he's the guy that has gotten so much focus and pressure with his start, and rightfully so. But if they had spent any time watching John Klingberg in Anaheim or Minnesota, this is exactly the same way that he played. I don't understand um, what the thought process here was, except for maybe 
hey, this guy can improve our first power play and we can sub him out for Morgan Riley there. That's fine. But outside of that, his decline has been pretty stark. I mean, I've got up in front of me the scouting report that we put up on dailyfaceoff.com last year at the trade deadline. We broke down every single player and almost every one of those breakdowns has been spot on, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I'll just read you a paragraph. His decline is stark and it isn't limited to just this season. For the past several seasons, Klingberg has progressively and steadily fallen down the list of point-producing defensemen to the point where his even strength and power play offense can no longer mask his defensive deficiencies. He ranks 174th out of 180 defensemen in goals above replacement among players with over 500 minutes. He struggles under pressure, particularly in his own zone. He takes a lot of hits. And for a guy that skates as well as him, that is abnormal. When he turns his back to retrieve the puck, he lacks the processing power to quickly assess danger and move it. Part of the fact is he's trying to do too much when he has the puck. He doesn't play the chess game. And instead of trying to make the easy play, he tries to make the best play every time. Well, the other thing, Frank, you mentioned how he takes a lot of hits. At times, to me, he looks scared of getting hit. And he is he is jittery back there. He has uh, he has really struggled. There's no question about it, right? And so, so what like so are the people that looked at, at his game the last year or two or three years, are they are they flat earthers? Are they deniers? Like were they thinking that at some point you'd get to Toronto and and A, it wouldn't be magnified, or B, those things would all just go away? I think maybe they looked at said, Hey, we'll take the offense and we think he can help us offensively and we'll worry about the defensive stuff later, which, you know, uh, is, For this is team. That's the opposite of what they I, needed. Dude. Like, I agree with listen, you. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's right after the game. He, he yeah. said, we celebrate all the goals and the points and the assists. And we don't talk about all the things we need to do in our own end. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I've said it all along Toronto. And I said, it, I didn't think Toronto improved their decor in the off season to the, to the level that they need, right? Like we talk about Boston, we talk about Tampa Bay. They have defensemen who are defenders. Who are the defenders? TJ Brody. That's it. Mark Giordano. That's it. Yeah. But 40 year old Mark Giordano, God love his career, but he's not the Giordano who was, I agree. Uh, That's that's we're making the point. Yeah. So like, that's to me, I, I like, I wonder how quickly Brad Treleben and like, I know his former team, you know, there's lots of rumblings about Calgary, but Calgary's starting to win a little bit. Uh, their head coach uh, made a statement. Uh, he stapled his uh, his nine plus million dollar forward to the bench in the third period against Nashville. The team responds, and and I think you know what? That's hard coaching. We we've seen that a lot this year from coaches. And you know what? I don't think it's a problem. Some t- every you have to have a standard for your entire team, and I don't care if you're the first line player. Because it's easy to bench the fourth line guys all the time. Sometimes the fourth line's playing well, but you're down three to two. They don't see the ice in the last 10 minutes. Not because they're not playing well, because you think they don't give you a chance to tie the game. So that's not a shock. But I think it not only gets Huberto's attention, it gets the entire team's attention when he is stapled to the bench for an entire 20 minutes. Now it's 20 minutes, right? Like it's, what's he going to play that period? Maybe six minutes of his career. So it's, I liked his response that, hey, it's, it's 20 minutes of my life. But he's got to play better. The onus is on him. There's no excuse here. This is not Daryl Sutter. If allegedly, you know, there was a a rift between him and Sutter. This is now on the player, and I'm fascinated, Frank, because 
this has gone on now since he arrived in Calgary. He has not been very good at all. Speaking of sample size, we're approaching 100 games. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not nothing, and there is enough to suggest, obviously, that it's not working. I think the much harder part is coming up with a solution. You know, it, we can... It's great to sit him down for a period if you want to do that. And I full marks like this isn't criticism at all. His team finally got moving in the right direction. And Ryan Huska says, look, I got to do something here. We're starting to feel good. We're starting to get into a flow and rhythm. We, we've we got to just sit this guy down. Nazem Kadri, four game point streak, et cetera. Pick up your second straight win. The process seems like it's been there, even though they were down against the Preds. They played really well in that game. And you're looking at it and you go, okay, now what? How do you then pick up the pieces? Because this is day 40 of an eight-year deal. (laughs) Really is that's 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 what you have to look at it. And this is a partnership that for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. These two sides don't even have the ability to get divorced. There's nowhere for no for Jonathan Huberto to go. So I don't know what the the next step is. I don't like I, I think it'd be an absolute mistake to sit him out for a game. Yeah, I don't see that. I think they've tried just about everything they can. Do you now go the other way and try and play him till the wheels fall off? Play him 24 minutes a night. I don't know what the answer is, but they have to work together creatively to get this thing back on the rails because there's no other choice. And that's the worst feeling for everyone here. Yeah, that's fair. I, I would agree with you. Be- bench him for a game. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, you, 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 you got you. It, that doesn't help. I, I think a, a period is, is good enough to get your attention. I think the message has been clearly sent. And I would assume the message is received, but now it's like, okay, watch film with them. And, and lots Huberto, let's be real, Frank, the onus, the majority of the onus here is on the player, right? Yep. Cause he, he said it, he said, yeah. I've got to look in the mirror. Yeah. He's got to be better. And so I think, you know what, the, where the team could help him is, you know what, find film. I don't even care. Show him film from Florida. Who cares? This is what you were doing well here. Let's find a way to bring that Jonathan Huberto. Here and it wasn't one year. I want it because I see people say all the time, "Oh, he's not 115." Who cares about that? It was a four-year run where he was a top five producing player. It wasn't just one year. That was his best year, but he was very productive for a good stretch in Florida. Right now, obviously, he plays with Barkoff, so you know you can't overlook that. That helps him, especially as a non-shooting winger. Frank, like he's he's a 115-point winger who's not a big shooter. Like that's kind of rare. Right. So, you know, there's not as many wingers who are playmakers as there are centermen. So I think that's they're going to have to find someone. And, you know, Lindholm, in theory, is probably the closest to Barkoff amongst their centers. Backlund's not they doesn't have the offense that Bar- Lindholm at least has that potential. Don't you think like that's probably the best fit? I mean, have they not tried it? Yeah, I know, but then you got to look at, you know, you, sometimes it doesn't work right away, but I'm just saying that like, and if it doesn't fit with him, then I don't know what they do because I just think stylistically, I'm not saying Lindholm's Barkoff, obviously he's not, but his style of play is the closest thing to Barkoff. Yeah, I would say in a perfect world, the line looks something like Huberto, Lindholm, 
Sharon Govich. Sharon See, Govich think, is a shooter. Yeah, I, I think they ideally you would like a, a winger with a little bit of grease in his game on that side, I think, with those two. I'd want a shooter because I'm thinking that Huberto's his first instinct is always the pass, as you mentioned. That's fair. I just want a guy, I don't care, like, I don't care what you do. Skate and shoot. Yeah. That's it. Now the Flames have uh, have started to to play up. You know they got some wins here now. Um, I, I thought they were a team that had underachieved early on. Um, you know, and they've got themselves now that you know with their you know within five points of the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, you know they've what now? I know it's only two in a row, but you got to start somewhere. Um, if, if you're Calgary, and I know that you know they're in the wait see mode. Like there's no rush yet to make a deal. No, I think you give teams- it 10, 10, 15 games and see what happens. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of what I think too. So 20, 25 games and you make a decision. That's, that's where you get to. Yeah. And then uh, meanwhile, at the bottom of the division, the sharks can pull even with the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday night. <laughs> the fact that those Frank, don't even joke. Even don't, I just want to say personally, don't even joke about that because you know, um, in live I'm, sports, it's not radio, a joke. It's a statistical no, fact. No, I know, but I'm just saying um, in live sports radio, sometimes you say things that, um, you maybe look back on and and wish you hadn't said. Um, on Monday we were setting up. There's the no week opinion. The I don't. I'm not. I don't regret saying that at all. Just no, FYI. I'm not, no, I'm talking about myself here. I'm not uh, talking about you. Uh, okay. On Monday, I uh, the orders week, and I, there was lots of pressure on the orders after that Nashville loss, and <laughs> I was like, I, I thought they'd lose to to Vancouver, and I said like, you have to beat San Jose. Like honestly, beating San Jose to me that's not even impressive. Like it's a must for any team. And I know that Philly just lost, but they outshot him two to one. And, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood stood on his head. Like the Sharks are historic. I'll get you some numbers, Frank, about how bad the Sharks have been. But I made the mistake of saying, like, I was so confident the orders would win that if they lost, I would grow out the Leahy for six months. Oh, Leahy. So, you know, the male pattern baldness on the side, right? Uh, Just, no, look, I don't grow any. Is it the Costanza? What is that? Yeah, essentially, yeah. Leahy's from the Trailer Park Boys, big Canadian one. Yeah, like the Costanza. Yeah, the cul-de-sac, whatever. It's a terrible look, Frank. Like any any self-respecting guy should never wear it. No offense to the guys who wear it. But so um, why did you do this to yourself? You well, Tyler yourself. I'm just saying it was live radio. I didn't even think because I like the San Jose Sharks, Frank. We're talking the NHL has compiled statistics. Um, since the you know, you go to their website, you can go all the way back over a hundred years of statistics there's been 1695 nhl teams okay the san jose sharks are 1693rd right now in goals per game at 1.17 you got to go back to 1929 when the pittsburgh pirates and the chicago blackhawks same year are the only two teams that average fewer goals per game than the sharks right the sharks frank have uh have been outscored 55 to 14. Is They've been outshot by 13 goals per game. Right? Like they're bad. Like they're Kalanak. The, the, Just Kalinac, FYI, I watched because I apparently have no life, the Flyers Sharks game in its entirety the other night. Oh. And whatever the shot clock said was not an accurate. I know you said they were outshot two to one. It wasn't an accurate depiction of the game. I they watched actually, the game too. Yeah, they were right in. I mean, right in it, the whole game. Yeah, they're right, they're right in it. But they like they go long stretches where 
Like the puck is never in the offensive zone. Yeah. It's right? like uh, the, it's the clean sheet. You got the fresh Zamboni out there. <laughs> like look at tonight. So they acquire Kalen Addison from Minnesota. He's supposed to play tonight. It's game 13, Frank. He's going to be the 11th different defenseman to suit up for the Sharks this season. And the Oilers are a minus 330 favorite. Like, how is it not more than that? Well, because the Edmonton orders, Frank, how about here's a stat for you. The Edmonton orders, like we've talked about their, everybody's talked about their goaltending fair, talked about their defense fair. How about their offense? Put it on APB. Like the Edmonton Oilers in the last eight games, Frank, are 29th in the NHL in offense at 2.38 goals per game. They got McDavid. They got Drysaddle. Their first unit power play has three goals in eight games. Their second unit power play has two. Their second unit has been better lately. Like they don't shoot the puck anymore in the power play. They don't score in the power play. They don't really score much five on five. Like the Oilers... Their offense was the one thing everyone's like, wow, they can't defend, but geez, they got offense. Well, now they can't do anything, right? Like tonight's game against the Sharks, Frank, if I was Jay Woodcroft and Edmonton gets up, let's say, I don't care. Even if you're up three goals in the third period, I'm running out my first unit power play. I don't care because uh, I need them to try to find and get their mojo back because they look lost offensively as a group right now. Yeah, just to check that, our our friends at Patano, it's Oilers minus 345 over the Sharks. Oh. <laughs> like honestly it's, it should um, it, in a realistic world like if the oilers were playing even half as good as they could be they'd be at 475 yeah. wow but frank after watching and guess what, what? you know Tuesday. what happens yeah is like last year when you've got you know to only beat the Chicago Blackhawks to get into the playoffs if you're the Pittsburgh Penguins and you're minus 475 or 550 you end up losing. So this stuff happens all the time. Exactly, Frank. That's why I'm a little stressed. You're stressed, huh? Because you're yeah. you're worried like, about that. Like you know, eating a, eating a tin of way. eating a tin of cat food would be disgusting, right? But it's a one like a one minute of your life, not six months of stupidity. Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. Look at you right now. You're you've got the big sports fourteen forty hat on. You're just. Yeah. Walk around yeah, in a hat all day. Yeah, but I can't wear a hat all day. I don't really like, I, I don't mind hats, but you know how some guys love hats? I don't love hats, but still. Most like, bald guys love hats. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't love hats. Like I like Tam, but uh, I'm going, I go on a holiday. You do you, you wear a hat when you're on the beach all the time? Oh man, no. that would be the most embarrassing. Go to Dude, Maui. Look God. at this turd. Yeah, like who is the, who is this clown? Like buddy, the dream's over, right? God. Yeah, take that thing to the wood, buddy. It'll be a, it'll be there. There's a there. Adam, a listener, put a picture out on Frank that that really it. Um, and thankfully Tyler doesn't have it, but um, Jason will be uh, sitting on the beach in Maui with his son and his wife, and they're gonna be like, "Damn, that guy must be really rich." <laughs> it's true. God, like I don't cheer for win, but I'm telling you, Frank, I'm just cheering. For, yeah, like I'm cheering for a loss heavily tonight. Um, only because of my own stupidity. And you know what's going to happen, Frank? I thought you were gonna... coming after me. No, no. The Sharks <laughs> are like, what did I do? Gonna... The Sharks are going to score first tonight just to add to my angst. <laughs> so I always, I hate this, um, this idea that like, if you don't win a game that the coach is going to get canned. I agree with you. Because then you've already made up your mind. Like you've made your decision. Yeah. 
to me, I said on Monday, Wait, is for this the a orders, fireable offense? Losing to the Sharks. Well, it would that would probably be the final nail, Frank, because you're now you're two nine and one, right? Yeah. Like, which would be tied. Well, they're already tied for the worst eleven game start in franchise history, and uh, there's not a lot of teams that that start seasons two eight and one even in the, in the lockout era, there just hasn't been that many. Um, so I looked at it at the start of the week and I said, the orders winning one game against San Jose, but losing at Vancouver and Seattle and you come home and you're three, nine and one. How are you any better than two? Yeah, eight one? Are you, right? I, I said this week, they had to win two out of three and the two they had to win were at least Seattle and San Jose. hundred percent. And so, because I don't think I don't want to be, again, it becomes a pure math equation. This isn't being negative. I think the Golden Knights, Canucks, and Kings are uncatchable for the Oilers. Just pure math basis. Yeah, unless unless there's some serious injuries in one of those teams, right? But even then, the way you know the way the point system works in the NHL, it's easy to just milk points. Yeah, one here, one there. Like you're you'd have to have a team completely have their wheels fall off, even if you play your best hockey. They uh, Edmonton's are basically they are best 14 case scenario. back of the Canucks and they are 18 <laughs> back of the Golden Knights. Yeah, they're best case scenario wildcard team right now. That that's what they're already at this point where they're fighting for a wild card. And while still likely to make the playoffs, I think it's it's getting closer to 50 50. And then Frank, down toward if, it. if your best is a wild card, then that means you're probably playing Vegas or Colorado first round. Yeah, but that's what this if, that's what the slow you, start did. In, statistically, it would mean that you had to have played pretty good hockey. And I'd throw the oil like I don't care whether you play them in the first round or the third round, you're gonna have to play them at some point. It doesn't make a difference to me or anyone else. It was cup or bust. So losing in the first round to them or losing in the third, it makes no difference. But it just makes your path harder when now every series you're starting on the road, right? I disagree. I I know we've had this talk, but I think you're talking a 53-47 advantage. Yeah. So still harder. Yeah, I mean, but I'm not stressing out about three percent or two percent either way. Well, Frank, as as a wager, I would as somebody who wagers lots, I think you realize what's a successful wager and what isn't, and it's usually three or four (laughs) percent. Yeah, but that that makes I get what you're saying, and that's exactly how casinos shave odds and they win on percentages over the long haul, but we've seen and proven time and time again, which is why hockey and all of pro sports is unpredictable is it's not a long-term play. It's a one-time play and it's a seven game series. That is essentially seven individual coin flips. Yeah. But uh, all I know I mean, is that's how uh, Eric Tolsky was on our podcast last year. And that's more or less how he explained it. Seven individual yeah. coin flips. Yeah, wow. The orders they got they got to start with a win, Frank. Just like try to get it, try to get a winning streak. That's that like they don't have a they don't even have a winning streak yet this season. Something the Calgary Flames have now accomplished as yes, exactly. And um, speaking of Seattle, scary situation in practice. Uh, Jordan Everly takes a really deep cut. Uh, yeah. Ron Francis said, you know what, that they got to send him uh, to get an MRI. They were not sure if there was tendon damage, but that's brutal. But uh, it opens up the door. Shane Wright is recalled on an emergency basis. Uh, Shane Wright, if you look at his numbers, Frank, last year in the American League when he went down, he had four goals in eight games and six points. This year has four goals and six points in seven games. So he has produced offensively. He should be coming up a player with a little bit of confidence. And 
if I'm the Kraken, I'm playing Shane Wright in my top nine right off the hop. I got to see if the Why no wouldn't point. you? Yeah. What's wow. the point in calling him up and putting him on the fourth line? But lots of teams do it, is my point. I All the time. It yeah. makes no sense. So yeah. I'm not, I guess I'm not sold on Shane Wright. And and it's it's early. Like I'm not counting him out by any stretch, but I was one of the dorks that watched um, a, a bunch of AHL playoffs. And I just, he wasn't noticeable. And I know that can be a hard league, but I oh, think you've got to learn to dominate there. Yeah, oh, well, it's a hard league, especially, especially Frank, when your birth certificates and when your age starts with a one, right? It's a tough league for sure. So, which is um, why I think it was BS that he got a waiver to play in the AHL this year. Why is he any different than anyone else? Why is he different than Matt Savoy? Makes no sense. Why yeah. does he get one and other people don't? No, wow. I still think teams, you, you, the NHL, it's funny. They talk about the importance of development, Frank. And the, like, look at the Montreal Canadiens. They're not many years removed from doing the same dumb, idiotic thing they did with Kock and Yemi, and they're doing it with Slavkovsky. There's no chance he should have been there last year. Shouldn't he's a teenager? Shouldn't be there this year. He's floundering. Now, doesn't mean he can't recover later on. Like, Kock and Yemi's been an okay player in Carolina this season, right? Now he's in, you know, 23, 20, or was he 22, 23? So, you know, you get a little bit better. But what makes even less sense is they had the path to send him to the AHL. I know. Well, that's just, even when they do it, they don't do it. But now they're like, well, let's open it up for more players. I'm like, why? So you can rush more players and have them lose their confidence and swagger. Like this whole thing, this mindset that, oh, you got to compete against the best right away. Why? If you're not mentally ready and physically you're not ready, why? I don't care where you're drafted. It should be irrelevant. I'm with you. It's a good point. Let's bring in uh, Tyler Uremchuk to the program. What's up, boys? Ready to go with another edition of It's Thursday. It's fill in the blank, and it's brought to you by DoorDash. For a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the code NATION25. Dash that for the win and make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season. Uh, Let's start with Elias Pettersson, actually. That's where I want to go first. What a season he's having. I mean, we're talking maybe heart trophy if this thing keeps rolling the way it is for Pettersson, or at least in the conversation. And this guy needs a new contract at some point. Pettersson's next AAV will be blank. Frank? 12. Yeah? 11 and a half to 12. Wow. Yeah, okay. I I look at what David Pasternak just signed for. And I think if you're, you know, you're a GM now, he's not a center, but David Pasternak's a hell of a player, man. Um I was thinking, yeah, like eleven and a half would be it. And I just do want to point out the reason I don't think Peterson wins the heart is because he's got a Vesna and a Norris trophy uh teammates, and that's why he's not gonna win the heart. Why do you call him Peterson? I get no, a Seinfeld flashbacks. Peterson, yeah. <laughs> Peterson. Peterman. Get him in here, Peterman. Uh, last year, obviously, the Boston Bruins, 135-point team. Second in the league was Vegas and Toronto, tied at 111. We have a couple of teams, Boston and Vegas, being two of them, off to just flying starts this year. The highest regular season point total for a team this year will be blank. Jason? 120. It's probably a decent number. Frank, what do you think? 127. So somewhere in between what Florida did 
two seasons ago and what Boston did last year. Yeah, I just think it's easier to accumulate higher point totals than ever before. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. It'll be uh, interesting. Which team do you think has the best chance of doing it, Boston or Vegas? Boston. Ooh, Jay? Vegas. I think the... Uh, um, yeah, I, Vegas, I just like their whole their, the, the way they play now, there's not many weaknesses in how they play I think they got their mojo going, there's a team that won so I think uh, Vegas is one to the thing is Frank there's only been two teams in the 2000s that had more than 127 points it's pretty tough alright, I always prep four questions because I bank on you guys burning one of my topics in the first 40 minutes of the show, Um, so I actually have two more for you here First All right. One. Are you saying that we suck today or what? No, I'm or just you were just really good. Predictable. Yeah. Uh, Jack Campbell, you guys haven't hit on that yet. That was the one I thought you guys were going to do. Uh, there is a blank percent chance that the Oilers trade Jack Campbell in season. Frank? 65. Whoa, that is higher than I thought. Jay? Yeah. Uh, do I get to give a reason or no? Yeah, sure. Jack- go. Give if he plays well, they're just going to bring him back. But if he doesn't, they have no choice really but to trade him because they ha- they're they going to have to improve their goaltending if Skinner and or Pickard doesn't start picking up the slack. And the only real way to do that is for a team with no cap space is to move the buried contract that's in the minors. And in fact, it's not even necessarily related to just goaltending if you want to improve your back end or you want to improve your bottom six, the only way to get cap space is to trade the buried contract. And I don't care if that means unloading all of your future assets. I just don't think you leave any stone unturned this year. So really the, the 35% that I'm leaving is that Campbell plays well in the AHL and comes back or the orders don't recover. And then they, then they just sell off other parts. <laughs> I, I think they're going to do anything they can before throwing in the towel and not recovering. Okay. I, I would agree with that. Um, I had it uh, a little bit lower. I have it around 50% because I, I think it's a really hard contract to trade. Uh, now we did see Cal Peterson get moved, right? So you can do it. Um, you, you got to find a team. Uh, willing to want to dance. And then you're obviously going to have to uh, sweeten things up, right? You're, Jack Campbell is not an asset that has any positive value right now. I, I think that's fair uh, to say, even if he came back and played well for 20 games, I don't think it would have much to be honest. So um, yeah. And so I think it's a, I think it's one, I think it's a hundred percent. They'd like to trade him. It drops down to 50 if they can. I, All right. I think the f- just FYI, because you mentioned it, it still blows my mind that the Kings were able to get off of Cal Peterson and Sean Walker for just a second round pick is is really insane. Yeah, it's 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 so far below market value that it's crazy. The, the Peterson had multiple years. I know. And didn't make the NHL team and then was brought back up and got waxed by his former team this last week. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's uh good good for them, right? Uh, hey, um sometimes you got to make the trade that benefits you. And uh yeah, that one uh 
That wasn't uh, it, it didn't look great for the Flyers in that performance, did he? So um all right, and uh, the last one going out to San Jose of all their vets with years remaining. So we'll go Vlasic, Couture, and Hurdle. Blank has the best chance of being traded this season, Jason. Oh, Logan Couture. Um, Vlasic, I, I don't see why anybody would be interested in him at 3.5 million because uh, that's that's the lowest you can get him at. Um, I think Couture, although Hurdle does have seven points, but uh, Couture has fewer years remaining on his contract. So that would be my only reason why I think it would be him. So I talked about this earlier this week. I think we mentioned it on Monday's pod about. Yeah, they can only retain on one. <laughs> isn't there going to be way more interest in hurdle than Couture? Would you be really willing to retain for that long though? But seven years. Couture still has. He's, he's got, got three years left after this one. Yeah, I know. And he's 34. Mm-hmm. He turns 35 in March. He It takes him to age 38. And he hasn't played a game yet this year. So wouldn't he, if you if you had to pick one of the two, who has more who has more interest and value? Is it Couture or is it Hurdle? Well, let me flip that for you. Who has a better chance of being moved without any money retained? It's Hurdle, right? Someone might still bite on that either this summer or next summer when the cap starts moving. I don't think anyone's biting on that. If he was a UFA heading into this summer, you don't think he gets seven by eight? No, not by eight. No. No, I don't. No. His his high in points the last four seasons is 64. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's a couple of shortened years where you can extrapolate out the numbers, but. So maybe he's just stuck in San Jose. Somewhat that my point is someone yeah. is. I just don't know who. And I would, wouldn't you think that there'd be more interest in the guy under 30 than 34? Yeah, it's a fair point. 8.1. Yeah, that's a, that's a hefty tip price thing. All I oh. want. Oh, I'm going to keep pounding the table. All I want is a plan from the Sharks. Just tell us something. You well, got to put you, a stake in the ground. Usually you'd look at a team that's that bad. You'd be like, ah, you go to their cap friendly page like I am. You're expecting to see a bunch of first round picks. They have one extra first round pick from the Pens, and it's a conditional pick that's top 10 protected. So they might not even get it this year if the Penguins don't turn it around. They don't um, have any prospects. No. Yeah. There's who, like, who, are, who, who is in their system? Bordalo? No. No. Stop it. Well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm reaching here, but like, no, it is. Recognize. It's, it's thin pickings, man. Like, very thin. I, so I, I said, I told people it's going to be another eight years minimum before the Sharks make the playoffs. I, f- I feel sorry for their fans. Shakir Mukamadoulin? No, no bites there. Probably the best one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's probably definitely the best. the best one. But yeah. What I'm saying is you need volume and I just, just give me a plan. Tell me what you're doing. They've yet to been able to verbalize that. And I don't have any sense that they've verbalized it internally either. It'll be interesting to see how things play out over the next couple of months leading into the deadline for the Sharks. Gents, that's a wrap on this week's edition of Fill in the Blank, delivered by DoorDash. That promo code again, NATION25 in all caps, up at the top of your screen if you're watching on YouTube. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Frank, before we wrap up, uh, you know what? Uh, you know, there's been some rumblings about Bennington. I know like the Blues have been looking to move him for a few years, but... I, I like when I look at it. So if Bennington goes to Edmonton because that was the rumblings. Obviously, Jack Campbell's going to St. Louis, but I'm like, why? Bennington's finally playing well, at least for eight games in St. Louis, right? They're they're in the mix. I, I just don't see it in a salary cap world. I don't see how that trade works out, and and why St. Louis, you know, because if you're getting Campbell in return, right? It's a, it's five mil instead of six for still for three more years, and you're getting a worse goalie. Worst goalie right now. Yeah, for sure. And I think. Well, even the worst goalie last year. If you're the Oilers, you're saying, okay, yeah, Bennington's been good for eight games, but he's got a hundred game sample size where he was no good. Yep. So I don't think you're improving yourself if you're the Oilers. I think if you really had to take a deep dive and try and figure out where they go next on, if they have to on the goaltending front, like you're going to have to get creative. I think like, I'm not, I'm not entirely sold. You know, Jake Allen's name was connected as well. I'm not entirely sold. He's the answer. No, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Not, I'm not sure it is at all. So, but then you start to ask yourself, okay, so who is? Well, the the one guy, it's funny, the team they're playing tonight, if Mackenzie Blackwood, and it's going to be difficult for him because the the defense in front of him and the system in front of him is not very good at all. But Mackenzie Blackwood shows that he's kind of back. Because remember a few years ago, Frank, like Mackenzie Blackwood, people thought he was going to be one of the goalies for Team Canada. Like he was played that well in New Jersey. And then it's, it's been a tough slog. But if he gets his game back, his cap hit is low. You know, if Edmonton was willing to give the Sharks, you know, lots of young players and draft picks and say, hey, take Campbell, then maybe. Goaltending is voodoo, man. Just oh, like you need to look no further than Philip Gustafson. Last year, 931 gets a three-year contract extension. That is a, you know, makes his career, yeah. essentially. And he comes out this year, seven games, 871 in Minnesota. I mean, how do you even, how do you even explain? It's hard, man. It is really hard to do. Like, do you, like, do you go after one of Florida's guys, Spe- like Spencer? I don't. What do you do? Like, yeah, there's there's not a lot of great. No, options. He's not proven. Like, they're like I I honestly don't know where you'd even turn. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not a good. It's, there's no easy fix there. They're gonna they're gonna have to hope that Stuart Skinner finds his game, right? I think that's or that Calvin Pickard. Is somehow a you know goes a on like a Hamburglar type run. Yeah, yeah. Like even if it's for two months, 
right? I, yeah, I just said, even if he got them three wins, like <laughs> doesn't need yeah. to be forever. Like just get them in the right direction. Hey, I can make the argument that I would start Calvin Pickard tonight against San Jose. That's what I would do because it's also a further message to Stuart Skinner. Hey buddy, you've actually been worse than Jack Campbell this year. The only reason we didn't send you down is because someone would claim you. Yes. Bingo. Before we go, Frank, I want to remind everybody play the, uh, the Wendy's daily survivor. How you doing? Frank, you still alive? No, I got eliminated this week. Uh, I, I I went against the Sharks. This was after their back-to-back 10-goal games. I took Travis Konechny, who's been red hot, to score a goal the other night, and he didn't do it. So I'm out for the week. But, dude, it's a lot of fun to, to log in on Monday and pick your game and see if you make it to the next day. That's it. That's all you got to do. New game every Monday, every week. Start fresh, win prizes like delicious cheeseburgers from Wendy's. Get in the mix for 5000 bucks at the end. There's a lot going on at the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. Yeah, of course, uh, you can obsess about your team and your picks and uh, also obsess about their new barbecue bacon cheeseburger. It's got the uh, applewood smoked bacon, crispy onions as cheese melts over the fresh but never frozen. Canadian beef. Check it out, dailyfaceoff.com. You'll see the Wendy's logo and the Daily Survivor right in the top right corner. It's easy. Get in, play, see how much you know. Every week, show us your knowledge and you could win five grand in cash. Frank, have yourself a spectacular weekend and uh, we'll see, Frank. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever watched the Trailer Park Boys, but I'll tell you right now, um, if the San Jose Sharks win, not only will I have to grow a terrible haircut, I might start drinking like Jim Leahy did in Trailer Park Boys. Because, hey, uh, that's I, if I looked like that, I would too. And, exactly. Um, I know who I'm rooting for on Thursday. I'll say that. Yeah. You know what, Frank? Is is the plight and the politest way I can say this? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, day. we were rooting for Tyler to eat cat food all year, and he he did it. And see, here's the thing: like, do you remember a couple weeks ago uh, during the baseball playoffs? Um, you had that guy in New York. Uh, he was like, hey, if the Phillies lose these games to the Diamondbacks, I'm retiring. He didn't do that. So you, yes. you would be a man of your word. Dude, I no, I won't. I hate Welchers. It's the word. I would hate it for every Is it Welchers or Squelchers? I always have this debate. Uh, Are you squelching on a bet or welching? Anyway, um, uh, but nonetheless, you'd be a better man than me because, look, uh, my hair is all I got. There's zero chance I'm walking around with that dumb. Now, now that I look it up, it's uh, it's welching as in reneging on a bet, okay. right? Well, Refuse to avoid payment late is a bet. Um, probably disparate use of uh, Welsh or Welshing. That's uh, how it is. I never heard squelching though, but uh, it's either Welsh or Welshing, depending on how you say it. Well, you're you're not a welcher, so no. So well, let's go, sharks. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You gotta decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's gonna find the back of the net first, and you're gonna wanna be careful, because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you gotta predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.